Hi, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you so much for joining us as we study God's Word together and learn how to glorify Him. All over the Internet, you can find articles, blogs, podcasts about successful living. Sadly, if you merely follow the self-help business management and leadership models, you might climb the ladder of success, get to the top, only to realize the ladder you were climbing wasn't all that significant. Today's lesson takes a look at the most significant ladder you can climb. We're going to learn how to climb the ladder of success in Christ's kingdom. We want to increase in rank so that we can be like Jesus. So get out your Bible and let's get ready to climb the kingdom's ladder. I want to start tonight by asking the young folks a question. What do you dream about being when you grow up? Now I want to ask the adults a question. When you were young, what did you dream about being when you grew up? I know that it was probably something along the lines of just being a menial servant. Someone who had to give up all their own desires and goals and just be driven by somebody else's every whim. Somebody who just did whatever anybody else told you, who just served everybody else, who was just a servant. Is that, is that what you dreamed about being when you grew up? Of course not. We're American. That's not what we dream about. What we dream about is growing up and making lots of money and being able to tell everybody else what to do, right? That's the American way. And yet, the thing that we need to recognize is that before we are Americans, we're Christians. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, as we read in this morning's lesson, says that our citizenship is in heaven. And we need to think about success in that kingdom before we think about success in our earthly kingdom. And the thing that we need to recognize when it comes to climbing the kingdom's ladder is that it really is about service. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 24. The Scripture there says, that a dispute also arose among them, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater? One who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Look at our king. The one who's in control. The one who is the boss. He climbed the kingdom ladder and what rank did he attain? Servant. That's the rank that we need to find. That is how we climb the kingdom's ladder. Rung by rung. Not lording our authority over anyone, but becoming a servant. Now that's tough for us because of the idea of servanthood and, and what it means to us. It, we normally have that picture of, of having no life, of being just a menial person under the rule of some type of taskmaster. So what I'd like for us to do is we consider how to climb the kingdom's ladder tonight. 
I'd like for us to take a look at some passages that deal with servanthood. And some of the passages talk about what it means to serve as a Christian. Some of them talk about just what servanthood meant and what that picture was. And, and then we'll take those principles and apply them to what it means for us as servants of God and as servants of one another. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are our master and we are the servant. And we pray, Father, that we will be as the one who, who is serving at the table that you can recline at the table. You've given us so much. You've served us so greatly by sending your Son, by providing us with your Word. You've given us the example. Your Son set the example for us. And we pray that we will take up the, the towel, that we will gird ourselves in the attire of a servant, that we will make ourselves of no reputation and be in the form of a bondservant here in your kingdom. Help us to value that role. Help us to recognize how wonderful it is. And to be thankful that we are allowed to be servants in your kingdom. Help us to to gain strength from that by Your grace and help us to submit to one another and humble ourselves so that we can serve one another and help each other get to heaven. Help us not to be so wrapped up in our own pursuits that we forget that this is about helping each other glorify and honor You so that we can be with You forever. Father, we love You so much and we thank You for loving us. Through Your Son we pray. Amen. The very first thing that we need to recognize is that we serve Christ when we serve others. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 provides a parable of judgment. And within that parable, it gives us a picture of servants. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31, the Bible there says, Matthew 25:31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He'll separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. Then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they'll answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Do you see the dividing line here? Brethren, it's important that we get the great doctrines of the Bible correct. It's important that we worship God in the way that He has described and the pattern that He's provided in the New Testament and the authority that He's given there. It's important that as a congregation we do our work in the way that we find authorized by the Word of God. That's utterly important. We recognize that. In fact, we're having a Bible class uh, in, in an auditorium that demonstrates the truth of that. But I find it interesting that within this chapter is... Jesus talks about what's going to divide people who go to heaven and those who go to hell. He doesn't bring up those things. 
He brings up serving. And he says that the distinction between those who are going to be resurrected to life and those who are going to be resurrected to destruction is whether or not they serve him by serving their brethren. And I can just hear it now, the ones that he said depart because because I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink and I was hungry and you didn't give me food and I was naked and you didn't give me clothes. I can hear him saying now, Lord, no, no, honestly, if we had seen you hungry, we'd have fed you. If we had seen you thirsty, we'd have, we'd have given you drink. When did that happen? I, I don't remember that. And he says, you remember when brother so-and-so was hungry? You didn't feed him. Sister so-and-so was thirsty. You didn't feed her. Edwin's car had broke down. You didn't give him a new car. Okay, sorry, that's, that's not part of it. Did you get the point? Our service to Jesus Christ is meted out by how we serve one another. And so as we consider these points about being servants, let's not think of them in some type of ethereal and esoteric way of, of just some kind of service someday and in some way. We need to think about this very practically, very pragmatically on a daily and weekly level about what we're doing for one another. Can we look on our calendar and say, here's how I've served somebody this week? Here's how I plan to serve someone this week? What have we done? Because we, we serve Christ by serving each other. And when we stand before Jesus in judgment, that's going to be one of the dividing lines between the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. When we consider servanthood, we need to recognize that it means no longer pursuing our own reputation. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7 says to us, talking about Jesus, He made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Your translation may say, made Himself of no reputation. He made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. How was it that he took the form of the servant? By making himself of no reputation. You see, that's, that's part of the aspect of being a servant. The servant is not about his own reputation. The servant is not about making himself look good. The servant is about making his master look good. And if we're going to be servants, if we're going to climb the kingdom's ladder, we've got to learn not to pursue our own reputation. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And verse 1 says, Let all who are under a yoke as slaves or as servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Now, I know here he's talking about real slaves and masters, but this tells us what the role between the servant and the master is. The servant's job is to bestow all honor on the master. Do you realize what that means about us? Obviously, we're supposed to be bestowing honor upon God, right? We're the servant. He's the master. We're supposed to, but wait a minute. How is it that we serve Jesus again? 
Isn't it by serving one another? So how is it that we bestow honor on God in just a very practical way? By bestowing honor on each other. Striving to outdo one another in honor, as Romans chapter 12 points out. Now this doesn't mean that that you won't ever have a reputation. You might end up with a good reputation. The issue is, are we pursuing that? Who are we really trying to honor? Who are we really trying to help? Is it about us? Are we using everybody else as a means to lift ourselves up? See, that's the world's idea of climbing the ladder. I'm going to climb up and it doesn't matter who I step on or who I have to make look bad. I'll belittle folks. I'll talk bad about them. I'll slander them. Stab them in the back. But see, not in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we climb the ladder by lifting others up. Because we make ourselves of no reputation. If you read business literature and self-help literature, you've heard people say this. You realize the people who get the most done are the ones who don't worry about who gets the credit for it. And they can pass that honor along. And that's what we need to be doing if we're going to be served. That's climbing the kingdom's ladder. If we're going to climb the kingdom's ladder, we have to be submissive and obedient. Now, that's tough, isn't it? This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where we really don't like that idea of being the servant. This is where we want to be the one sitting at the table saying, hey, you know, I need another glass of water. We don't want to be the one that needs to be, that's got to be rushing out there and, and get the water. But this is what being a servant means. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18, Peter said, this is 1 Peter 2 and verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, and not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Well, we don't like that, right? I mean, well, it's okay. I can, I can be subject to the ones who are really nice to me. But the role of the servant is to just be a servant whether the folks have served us first or not. Titus. Chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 9. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. This is what it means to be a servant. To be submissive and to try to please others. It's not about just pleasing me. It's not about doing the things that make me feel good. It's not about doing what I want to do. It's about doing what pleases others and, and helps them. That's what it means to be a servant. Look in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus' interaction with the centurion whose servant he healed. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 9, the centurion demonstrated what it means to be in authority. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. That's what it means to be the servant, to be told, do this, and you do it. We don't like that because this really gets to the heart of what we think about being a servant. It means being driven by a taskmaster. It means somebody telling you what to do. And we don't like to look around and have the idea of 120 to 150 people telling us what to do. We don't like the idea of one person telling us what to do, let alone everybody else in this room. But when we have that view of it, I think we're misunderstanding it. Because remember, who in this room is given this command to be a servant? Everybody. 
And so when we're all fulfilling this role, there's not going to be somebody who's standing up there as the taskmaster that's telling everybody what to do. It's just us going around striving to do what's going to help and benefit others. It's just us trying to be a servant. You you hear that line in the movies and on TV, your wish is my command. It's not an issue of somebody just on top of us and beating us down with a stick and telling us what to do. It's the fact that we so want to please others that, that we even hear that this is something they want and would be beneficial and help them, and we're, we're chomping at the bit to try to serve them. That's what we all need to be doing. And when, we, and, and when we do that, not only will all of us be serving, but all of us will also be served. You think that might provide for unity in the body? When we're all doing our best to be a servant instead of trying to be the boss? I mean, that's tough because I know that my way is best. The way I want things done is the right way. Don't you feel that way? But instead, if we can serve, putting ourselves on the back burner, striving to honor others and please and submit to them and help them, that's when we accomplish the most good. And just to be honest with you, that's when we feel the most fulfillment. Stomping somebody down so that we can come out on top may feel good for a little while, but it's empty. It really is. When we submit and serve others and help them and then together can rejoice in what's been accomplished, that's, that's where happiness and contentment and peace is. That's where fulfillment is, through service. That's when we get beyond ourselves. And that's what Jesus has asked for all along. That's what it means to be a servant. How much servant are you doing? You're trying to please others? You're trying to help them? The fourth thing we recognize about this is that if we're going to be servant, that means we're going to have to be faithful to our masters even when they aren't around. There's another parable of judgment in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 45, Jesus said this, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he'll set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to be his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him in with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, here were the two different kinds of servants. One was going to be the faithful to the master, whether the master was there or not. The other, well, master's not here. We can do what we want. Cats away, the mice will play. But a true servant is submissive to the master and faithful and loyal to the master even when the master is not around. That's how we need to treat one another. We need to be faithful to one another. We need to be loyal to one another even, even when the other person is not around. We see this also exemplified in Titus chapter 2. We read verse 9 just a moment ago. Now we need to read verse 10. Titus chapter 2 verse 9 says, Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters and everything that to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Verse 10, not pilfering but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Pilfering, not pilfering. I mean, stealing. That's the idea of the master's not looking. I can get away with this and I can bring it to my own. 
far too often what happens among brethren. Brother, sister, so-and-so is not around and we're trying to make ourselves look good, so we start passing on the secrets or the gospel. Or we hear somebody talking about brother or sister so-and-so and, and, and how bad a job they do or this that's wrong with them or that's that's wrong with them. And instead of standing up and saying, you know what, we need to be loyal to them. That's our brother or sister in Christ. We just join right in and, and talk about them behind their back. Being a servant means being faithful and loyal to our masters even when they're not around. It means defending each other. It means holding one another up. It means that if we have a problem with one another, we don't go to somebody else and talk to them about it. We come to each other and talk about it. Because that's what it means to being faithful and loyal. You know, the reality is that if you spend all your time with me talking about uh, Alan here, when I leave, I'm going to wonder what you told Alan about me. And I know that works both ways. Being servants means being faithful and loyal even when folks aren't around. One of the things that I've learned is that if I've got this burning desire to call somebody up and tell them something about you, what that really means is I need to be talking to you. It, it's, it's funny to me how often we call somebody and say, I need advice because something happened with so-and-so and I just I want to know what to do about it. Come on, brethren, we know what the right thing to do there is. We don't need somebody to tell us. We already know what the Bible says about that. Do you think it matters if you call me and I tell you to go do something else that it's going to change what it is we're supposed to do? We're supposed to go talk to them. Be faithful and loyal. Be servants. The final thing I want us to recognize tonight is that being a servant means continuing to be a servant even if we don't get any thanks for it. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 provides a picture of being a servant. Beginning in verse 7, Jesus said in Luke 17 and verse 7, Will any one of you who has a servant filing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table. Will he not say to him rather, Prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you've done all that you were commanded, say we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Now, I recognize this, that if I'm talking to the person that's been served, I'm going to have to preach to them about gratitude and about thanksgiving and about the nice thing to do and the Christian thing to do and the godly thing to do is to offer thanks. I recognize that. So if you're the one who has been served, yes, you need to write the thank you note. Yes, you need to offer the thanks. Yes, you need to be grateful. But when I'm talking to us as the servant, we need to understand that we're supposed to do that whether they fulfill their role in thanksgiving or not. Whether they have gratitude, whether they're grateful, whether they ever say anything about it or not. Our job is to be the servant no matter how anybody reacts because we're not doing this to receive the pat on the back. We're doing it because it's the right thing. We're doing it because it's what we ought to have been doing from the beginning. That's what it means to be a servant. To serve no matter how people react. They may not put our name in life. They may not tell everybody. They may not give us honors and rewards. They may not give us even thanks. In fact, some of them might end up stabbing us in the back later. And we wonder how on earth they could do that after all we had done for them. But our job is to be the servant because that's just the right thing. We're not doing this to receive the honor and praise. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1 talks about the Pharisees. That's what they did. 
Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We're not being the servant to get thanks from men. We're being the servant to honor and glorify God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's what it's about. We serve because it's the right thing to do. And whether the other person is going to do what's right for them or not, that's between them and God. What's between us and God is are we going to be the servant? That's what it means to serve. And you know, it's not glamorous. It's not glorious. And that doesn't mean that we won't progress in the world. That doesn't mean that Christians aren't allowed to have success in the world. We are allowed to do that. Ecclesiastes points out that even God's children are allowed to pursue the desires of their heart as long as they do it in a godly way, recognizing they'll be judged by God. But we need to recognize that, that our number one goal is to climb the kingdom's ladder. And the highest rank there, when we get to the top of that ladder and become just like Jesus, it means we'll have become a foot-washing servant who has taken up the towel and spent ourselves in service to others. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? How much more ought we have to do it for each other? Because that's how we do it for Him. I hope this lesson lifted you up and helped you climb the kingdom's ladder to our greatest rank, servant. Let's remember what we learned. Number one, our service to Christ is meted out by serving our brethren. Number two, if we're going to climb the kingdom's ladder, we must stop worrying about increasing our personal reputation. Number three, if we're going to climb the kingdom's ladder, we must learn to submit to our brethren. Number four, if we're going to climb the kingdom's ladder, we must be faithful and loyal to our brethren, even when they are not around. Number five, if we're going to climb the kingdom's ladder, we must keep on serving even when we don't receive any thanks. Let's keep climbing that ladder to become more and more like our King Jesus who served us. We certainly hope you enjoyed this lesson, but more importantly, we hope that you were edified and God was glorified. If this lesson helped you, please let others know about it. If you have any questions or perhaps a prayer request, feel free to call us at 615-794-2359, or you can contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.